0: him, and he has to go uh, to this guy's house, (laughs) that this time his name is Saul, (laughs) can you imagine being the guy that Jesus opens your house up to, like Jesus volunteers your house and says, you got to receive this guy, be like, no, Jesus, I ain't home, I'm on vacation, you got to send him on down the road, and so Paul's, Paul's story is just so funny to me, Um, and today we're going to be out of the, we're going to be talking uh, through the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to read through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his riches, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. That's huge. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp, this is so hard to do, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says this, and this is kind of where we're going to hang our hat today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so, uh, you know, Ephesus, um, today God laid this message on, on my heart entitled More. And we're going to talk a lot about doing more uh, for him through him. Um, the, the church, or, or the, the letter was written to the church of Ephesus. And the thing about Ephesus is it was a bustling city. Um, it was full of commerce. It was right on the port. So it was a really important area that Paul was ministering to. Paul had previously spent about three years here developing the church and so he had really invested a lot of his time and a lot of his energy into this church and so this letter is kind of unusual for paul because he wasn't yelling at anyone uh normally if you read through paul's epistles you know he, he writes things like uh well i'm not gonna go into all quoting it but usually if you get a letter from paul you, you look at the envelope and you're like do I really want to open this? <laughs> it's kind of like a text message from your mom when you know she's been calling you and you're not answering. And you see her number on your phone, you're like, do I really want to answer this phone call? That's kind of, I bet that's how a lot of people felt whenever they started getting letters from Paul. And so this was unusual because uh, he had a lot of good things to say. He had invested in them. He had been there for about three years and helped to develop the church. And, and while Paul was having to write letters to other churches and rebuke them and teach them and say, you stink at life, you need to get this right. Like in the Galatians, he said, who has so easily bewildered you? Like he said some pretty harsh things to people to get them on the right track. But with Ephesus, he didn't have to do that. He, they were flourishing. They were doing a great job. They were loving people. They were, they were doing what Paul had taught them to do. And so they were in a place where they were ready for more. The church was healthy, and it was ready to do more of what God had created it to do. In fact, in our verses, in the verses prior to the text that we just read, we find how God begins to, um, or God had sent them, how he says to them, God sent him to be a messenger to the Gentiles, and, and he began even revealing God's plan to unite the church. Now, for us, that doesn't, well, it should still feel kind of out of place, but in that time, you know, there was Gentiles, and there was Jews, and there was this, in fact, whenever Paul said that to the Galatians, there was Jews trying to go back to the old way of doing things. And, and Paul said, Who's, who so easily bewitched you because you're saved by grace, not by works? It was a whole thing. And so there was this movement in this time to establish what the church was supposed to look like. And so Paul begins to reveal what God's plan for the church was. And, and one thing was the church was created, and this is where Paul started teaching, the church was the church created to unite and not to separate you see in order for the church as a whole not this church but the body of Christ in order for the church to be successful then we have to be in a place where we understand that the church is established to unite people and not divide people that means it doesn't matter what our background is where we've come from how much money we make what we look like what we dress like what we smell like doesn't matter The church is established and has been established to unite the body of Christ. And so Paul begins teaching about that. And also in this chapter, Paul begins unpacking the thoughts on heavenly realms. You see, God is able to teach you more whenever you're ready for more. Kind of like whenever you start building a house, you can't put the roof on before you put the walls up. There are things that God wants to do in our lives, but we've got to prepare our structure for it. We've got to be prepared for what God wants to do. And so they were there, they were prepared. And so God begins unpacking thoughts about the heavenly realms and about how this, 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 this earth that we live in every day isn't it. So he began kind of exploring some things with them that he hadn't done with other, other churches yet. And so, but here's what we're, gonna, this is what we're really going to talk about for a little bit. Paul says that he prays for two things for the church prays for two things specifically for the church whenever he begins to pray. Paul says that, first of all, that they be rooted and established in love. That's huge. Not rooted in your tradition. Not rooted in our preferences. Not rooted for any other reason, but he calls us to be rooted in love. That's huge because Love, you know, Jesus said this about, or this is what the Bible says about Jesus. It says, you know, love, it covers a multitude of sin. And a lot of churches don't have unity because they don't have love. The body of Christ really doesn't have unity because maybe we're still in the process of learning how to love people and to love each other regardless of what we look or sound like. Paul says you're flourishing, you're flourishing, and this is what I want for you. So said, I want you to be rooted in love. You know, to be rooted in love is to, you know, it's literally, whenever you're rooted in something, whenever you have a plan and it has roots, the root system is where it gets its nourishment from and its energy. So Jesus is, or Paul is literally telling us, I want you to get all of, your, all of your energy, I want you to get everything that you have to live life, and I want you to get it from love. I want you to get into the love of Christ, and that be the foundation of everything that you do in your life. And that is scary in a lot of ways. Because whenever the Bible challenges us to literally be rooted in love, then that challenges us to change how we act. Regardless of our age. Regardless of where we come from. Some people say, well, I just do this because that's just how I've always done it. So? So? Peter had always been a fisherman until Jesus called him to not be a fisherman anymore. And so he calls us to be rooted and established in love. And so, you know, that means that the nourishment and the foundation has to be love. As a church, as a believer, my whole whole belief system in Jesus, the foundation of it has to be in love. Love becomes our true north. It's hard to do people wrong if you have a true godly love for them. (laughs) Kind of like, you know, whenever you have a kid, and if you really love them, you may say things jokingly about them, but you're not going to hurt them. Not on purpose. Unless they deserve it. (laughs) Just kidding so love becomes your true north and every decision you make is determined by love every word you say is filtered through love so he says Paul says to the, to the church at Ephesus I want you to be rooted and established in love and so the second thing he prays is so that you may have power he knows that love is actually power the ability to love someone is is really powerful in fact martin Luther king dr martin luther king said this he said love is the most durable power in the world that's a good quote love is the most durable power in the love because love if you if you really love something you can outlast pain you can outlast hate you can outlast prejudice because love is powerful. In fact, Paul said earlier in Romans that love that the love of Christ is so strong that nothing can separate it separate us from it. He also says that we were made more than conquerors through his love. And so there is a power that is given to us when we're rooted in love. Paul is literally praying that we would be rooted in love, and this is why. He's praying that we would be rooted in love in love equipped with love so that we can share the love of Jesus you know there's this i'm not going there's this movement right now that has kind of hijacked love and it's sad because it's sad because love the whole the whole foundation of the bible is the love of God for for people, for humanity. And it's sad that today we have a movement that has hijacked love and made it something different. And so, here's the thing. Paul's, Paul's literally saying, and he's praying, that we would be rooted in love, equipped with love, to share the love of Jesus. The whole point of Christianity isn't just to receive grace, but it's to be a conduit for grace. You see, if I live my entire life just being a recipient of God's grace, then I have missed the point. Because I was created to be a conduit for God's grace. That means that whenever God saved me, it wasn't just to sit me on a bench somewhere and say, Okay, you're good. You just sit there until you get to glory. No, God saves us so that we can then become conduits for that grace. So that when we go to Walmart or our church place or our Thanksgiving dinners with our families, we're able to take that grace that God has shown us and be conduits for it for people that are hurting Around us. You can't. We can't. Reach a city without love. I've said it time and time again over the last few weeks. God has created us and he has positioned us and he is positioning us still. To be able to be a good difference maker in our city. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a light, you know, a city on a hill. You know, we are called to do good things in our city. But until we get love right, it's not you, it's me. Remember, that's the the series we're in, facing some things about ourselves that we don't really want to talk about. And one of the things we really don't want to talk about a lot of times is how we say we love you, but in our hearts we don't. Because if I love you, I can't attack you. If I love you, I can't talk about you to hurt you. If I have love in my heart, there are certain things that I just can't do. Love prohibits me from doing them, and I wouldn't want to do them. And in order for us to reach a city, we have to get love right. I've got to be able to sit in a room with my brother and disagree with his ideals but love him just the same because that's my brother in Christ. And that doesn't matter where he comes from. That doesn't matter what he looks like. That doesn't matter what he sounds like. If we want to be good difference makers in our city, we've got to get love right. We've got to get love right. And in order to get love right, we got to start facing some of these things that we don't like to admit about ourselves. David said it like this. God, search me and know me and look through every part of my heart so that if there's any wicked way in me, you can pull it out. Paul said, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. I want your foundations to to be poured in love. In order, if we're going to reach a city, we have to do it through love, and we have to learn to love. And that's what God is calling us to do. And he closes his prayer with a praise. And that's the verse that we're going to hang our hat on. He says this. He's closing this whole prayer, and this is the part of his this verse that's a, prayer, that's a closing praise. He says to this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, now to him that is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And so today, we're going to hang on to that statement, to him that is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. It's funny, my mom is here today, and I'm sorry I'm going to embarrass you because I'm telling a story about you today. (laughs) But I'm glad you're here, Mom. Anyways, and so growing up, we're going to talk about more today. And growing up, one of my favorite things that my mom would cook was spaghetti. Anybody like spaghetti? I love some spaghetti. And whenever I watch mafia movies, I want spaghetti. It's so weird. You know, and then I try to act like I'm Italian. Like I try to do. I'm not going to do it today, but uh, but I, I try to do the, like the accents and stuff, and it just doesn't work. And and I've learned that apparently some people call spaghetti sauce it's gravy, and I'm like, gravy's brown or white. But anyway, so my mom, my, one of my favorite meals growing up was spaghetti, but we did it different. In fact, when I got married, I found out apparently my family's weird because we eat spaghetti. Let me ask you, what do y'all eat spaghetti with? Anybody want to tell me what you eat spaghetti with? A little bit louder. Salad, bread, green beans, catfish. Yes, sir. We ate spaghetti with mashed potatoes. <laughs> I know. And so I have never, and I thought it was normal. Like, I grew up my whole life, and I'm telling you, there is nothing like getting your mashed potatoes and putting i would be honest with you, I didn't have to have the noodles, I just put the sauce on the potatoes. And so when I got married, Christina's, I know it sounds nasty, but I'm telling you, once in your life you have to try it. And I got married and Christina's like, like, you know, she came to eat at my mom and dad's house and she was cooking spaghetti. And she's like, "Why, why is she cooking mashed potatoes? And it changed my life. I was like, "You've never eaten mashed potatoes with spaghetti. What's wrong with you?" And apparently, it wasn't her; it was me. So it wasn't you; it's me. But anyways, and so, but I used to love eating it, and and I was I would eat it, and I'd be like, "Mom, I want some more." And that was kind of a problem in my life, you know. what I'm saying I still kind of struggle with it, but anyways, and so I, 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 it was one of those it's one of those meals that I always knew that um that I'd want some more of, and, and I'd finish my plate and I'd ask for more for whatever. But you know. How many, but there were some days that she'd cook it and she was in a bad mood. I wouldn't want any more. I'd just sneak into the kitchen later because it wasn't that good. But most of the time, it was very good. How many knows whenever there's something good, you want more of it? You know, I'm glad I serve a God that he's so good. And whenever whenever I experience his love, I'm able to go into it and receive more of it. I'm glad I serve a God that has plenty of presence for me. I'm thankful that I serve a God that has plenty of presence to pass around. Because how many knows whenever you get into the presence of God, it's able to change the things about your life? Whenever you get into the presence of God, there are some things that He's able to do in your life that a preacher could never do for you, that really counseling could never do to you. Maybe even drugs can't do for you, pharmaceutical drugs can't do for you. But when you get into the presence of God, there are things that the Holy Spirit is able to do in your heart that really nothing else could or no one else could. And I'm thankful I serve a God that there's plenty of presence to pass around. And so the whole point... The whole point of having more, more of the love of Christ in us is so that we can distribute the love of Christ through us. The love of Christ in our hearts is literally that city that's set on a hill. The love that is, it is deposited in us. See, we're called to do more for God. And in order to do that, we have to love people more. And that love that he's placed inside of us, we become that city that's set on a hill. And the Bible even says this, you don't put a, a light under a bushel. See a lot of us, we have this love of Christ in our lives, and and we hide it in our hearts because we're afraid of getting out of our comfort zone. God is wanting to do more through us, but we've cut off the valve because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of standing up for Christ. We're afraid of of getting our feet wet and and being evangelists that He's called us to be. And so the love that Christ baptizes our hearts with, it's really the first door of personal ministry when we get saved i don't know about you but when i got saved i started looking at people differently i mean i I still saw their problems and i still, still saw their issues and i'm not gonna lie to you and say that there are some people that just don't annoy the mess out of me but there's something that christ put in my heart that i just care about people he knows that the that gospel is is about people and for people it's the good news of humanity that we no longer have to live in a broken world and we're able to be saved and transformed and revolutionized by the love of jesus and when i got saved i was like man i just i just want to tell people about jesus and but but then something happens you know, I remember when I got saved, and this is kind of an old story, and it's not really a story, but a lot of people, when they get, first get saved, they're excited, and they want to share the gospel with everyone that's around them to the point that they are, they are annoying. <laughs> but people that have been saved for a long time, they'll say something to them. Anybody know what they'll say? It'll wear off. They'll chill out. Maybe you've said that to somebody. I don't know wasn't meant to wear off it wasn't meant we were never meant to not be passionate we were never meant to not be passionate about people we were never meant to not be passionate about the gospel we were never meant to not be passionate about seeing people saved and being difference makers in our community god wants to do more through us but we've got to get into a place where we're okay with that God wants to do more through me as an individual, and in order for that to happen, I've got to get out of God's way and pray something that sounds like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because you see, the kingdom of God doesn't grow when members sit on the pews and don't do anything. And it's not about growing churches. Would I love 1,000 people to be in here? Yes, but but even more than that, I'd love for next week someone to tell me 1,000 people got saved. Whether they came to church or not. Because people are God's priority. And we've got to get out of the way of the gospel. And the way we do that is we pray a prayer that sounds like, God, I know you want to do more through me, but I'm afraid, so teach me more. More. Why do we need to do more? Because there's more people out there and there is more hurt in our city and in our country than there has ever been before. And so if the devil is doing more to hurt people, then the church needs to be doing more to help people. Is that good? Oh, Jesus, I got my towel today. I need to be waving it right now. (laughs) I'm excited. Two two weeks in a row I remembered my towel. God wants to do more through you than just let you sit on a bench. God wants to do more through you than just let you sit on a bench. That's scary. That's a scary statement. I think it scares us because because it pulls us out of our comfort zone. It's comfortable to live in grace. And never do anything for the kingdom. It's comfortable for every Sunday. To just sit here. The Preacher preaches good. That's good preacher. Get it, get it, get it. Yay, yeah. Say that again preacher. Or maybe if you step on your toes. You just sit here like this. And look at your phone. Not that I've ever done that before. Don't, don't. <laughs> it's easy to do that. And ride the, ride the pew to heaven. But the Bible says something about that. He said, You see, the other, when we get to heaven, the Bible says we're going to be given crowns. And we're going to toss them at the feet of Jesus. But whenever we do work in the kingdom, then that, that crown grows and it gains value. And I wonder what our crowns are going to look like. You had to cross over. You know, you, you hear that scare tactic. Well, you don't want to leave church today if you ain't right with Jesus because you might today might be the day that you kick the bucket. The scare tactic. But let me ask you this. What if you did cross over into glory today and Jesus asked, what have you been doing? You've been saved for a 100 years and you haven't witnessed to anybody. That's a scary question. even be willing to say that if you've been saved but you're not witnessing Jesus may say something totally different to you because somewhere else in the Bible Jesus says something like depart from me because I don't know you at least probably once every other Sunday If you start, I'm not going to do that. Anyways, at least every other Sunday, I'm going to probably tell a story about my family. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm glad you weren't here last Sunday. It was really bad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm embarrassing my mom. She's never going to come back to church. It's my fault. Uh, But at least every other Sunday, I'm probably going to tell a story about my family because family is huge to me. That's why when I look at the church, I look at it as a family because family is very very important to me. And, um, and I talk a lot about family. And I talk a lot about my mom and my dad and my experiences growing up uh, because it means a lot to me. How can we really say we love Jesus if we never talk about him to people? How can we really say that we really love Jesus if the only time we acknowledge his existence is when we're going through struggles or when we're in church. Jesus, that's good. That's good right there. Just fire. Boom. He wants to do more. He wants to do more. He wants to do more through us. He calls us to be conduits for the gospel. While most of us know that God can do more, we doubt. And I think this is why we don't talk more about Jesus to people. I'm getting ready to close. I'm not going to finish. We know God wants to do more. But we worry about if he's able to do more through me. I said this last week. How many knows that we are our own worst critics. We see, you know, like I heard Stephen Furtick say several years ago that we judge other people's life by their highlight reel and we compare it to our background story. We look at all the things we see on Twitter or on Facebook, or we see the new house they bought or the new car they have, and we think, oh, they're doing great. And, and then we look at our own bills and we say, well, I'm about to drown in debt, or I can't afford this and I can't afford that, when in reality you don't know what's going on in their personal life. You don't know what, you don't know what their marriage looks like, and you're comparing what you see as their highlights to your personal struggles. So we take ourselves, we disqualify ourselves because we know The problems that are in our lives. But, you know, we ask questions like, am I smart enough? Am I strong enough? Am I brave enough? Am I good enough? And does God really love me enough to do this? Am I qualified? And these are questions we ask because we know our own demons and our own struggles. But we got to remember something that's very important. And Daniel, if you'll come play for me. Not only do you know your struggles... And your doubts and your fears, God does too. Again, there are some things I do, and I'm I'm, I'm way probably more transparent than I should be. But I, I've said this before too, and so I'll stop saying that I've said it before because you're just going to get used to it. Um, I would rather be transparent to a fault than to be plastic and people wonder what's really going on in my life and in my head, and so. You know, whenever Bishop Chris Moody asked me about interiming here, um, first thing came into my mind is, God, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not this, 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 and this. And so, don't feel like you're alone. Whenever God calls you to do something, and He has called you to do something, if you are saved. You're in full-time ministry whether you realize it or not And so I know what it's like To doubt your ability to, to work for God because Of your past Because of your struggles Because of your doubts But in that time of prayer God reminded me and I'm reminding you in the same way he reminded me and this is a quote by Stephen Furtick I'm going to quote him a lot because I love him to death God doesn't choose you by your pedigree he chooses you because of your potential doesn't care where you came from see God he reaches deep in your heart he looks deep inside of your soul in your heart and he sees things that no one else can see he sees the potential that's there he doesn't see the drug addict. He doesn't see the alcoholic. He doesn't see the person who struggles with depression or anxiety. He doesn't see the person who's struggling in their marriage. He sees the potential that he placed in their heart. Paul in his closing prayer chapter 3 is praying and he was giving praise to God. He that is able to do immeasurably more God is able to do more through you not because of who you are but because of who he is if I had to depend on my ability to speak or to witness or to be a good dad or to be a good husband I would try my best but in a lot of ways it wouldn't be good enough not because I'm a bad person I like to think I'm a good person and this is what I'm going to close with the reason that I know that we can be successful because of this equation that God gave me. You plus God equals enough. You plus God Pastor Jay, I've got this going on in my marriage. I've got this going on in my home. My kids are going crazy. I don't know how to fix it. I want to do stuff for God, but I feel like all of the problems around me are like this gigantic storm that I can't see through, and I'm distracted because of the chaos. When you put God in it, going to be alright when you put God in it he can do more through you, you say Pastor Jay I don't have this and I don't have that God is all you need today I don't know what you're going through I don't know what I don't know what struggle you have in your life I don't I mean I could, I could read off a, a, a big list of issues and things but I'm not going to do that but no matter where you are today, I can tell you this for certain. If you invite God into your chaos, He will settle the storms in your life so that you can do more for Him. God is enough. You plus God is enough. You listen very carefully. You plus God is enough. So today, if that's you. And you are just struggling. You're struggling feeling like you're good enough to to do things for God. Maybe you feel like you're struggling and you're not not a good enough dad. Not a good enough mom. Not good enough. I want to pray with you. Because I go back. I go back to what Paul said in Romans. Because of the love of Christ, we are more than conquerors. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around, please just say, "Pastor Jay, I don't want folks knowing my business." I understand. But I don't feel good enough. I feel like I have shortchanged God. I feel like, in some ways, I shortchange my family. I feel like I shortchange responsibilities that I have at work. And I want to do better. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you lift your hand? God sees those hands. God sees those hands. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Pastor Jay, I just feel like I'm not good enough to do what God has called me to do. Would you lift your hand. God sees those hands as they were raised. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? And some people ask me why I, why I do a lot of altar calls this way. Um, I believe in the power of of agreement. And I believe in the church family holding each other up in prayer. And I believe that that's not just the job of the preacher. I believe that that's the responsibility of the church family. So I want to pray over you real quick. And I want you to pray for the person you're holding the hand with because that could be one of the people that raised their hands. And I want you to pray that God remind them that through him, they're enough. Let me pray over you. Father God, I just thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And God, I pray for every single person. Father, you saw every hand that was raised. I pray, God, for a spirit of excellence to come into their lives, God. Father, I pray for each person that raised their hand, God, that and they do not feel good enough. They feel like they've Short certain things in their lives, God. They feel like a failure in certain places in their lives. Father, I pray right now, God, that you would remind them or tell them maybe for the first time that you plus them, that's enough. That you will take their mess and turn it into a message, God. You will take the test that they've went through and you'll turn it into their testimony. God, I know that you're going to do more through their lives And I pray, God, that you would put a spirit of acceptance in this church, God, where we accept what you've called this church to do, where we accept the mandate, God, of touching a city for Jesus. God, I pray for every person in this room today that's, Father, they're sick or they have sick loved ones, God. Pray for those that are sick that are in our church family that are in the hospital today. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would go into those rooms and give them peace and healing, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God, for your grace and for your mercy, God. And today as we go, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified. God, I pray that you'd work through this church. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday night.